Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Surgibots podcast. In this episode, we have Lucien Goffard, CEO of French-based Robocath. Robocath are a platform technology for cardiovascular and neurovascular interventions. In this episode, we talked about transitioning from startup to scale-up, entering the Chinese market through partnership, the future of robotic interventions, and what we can expect to see from the company in the next 12 months. So, I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Lucien, and welcome to the Surgibots podcast. Hi. Thank you very much for the invitation. Happy to be here. Very much so. So the first question, please tell us who you are and a bit about your background. Sure. So I'm Lucien Beaufort. I'm the CEO of Robocath. Uh, since uh, September 2019, uh, my entire career is based on a medical device, so fresh out of school. I will have an MBA. I had an MBA in the pocket and then I joined you know, big companies like J&J and where I studied. And uh, since then, I'm always in a medical device, big companies, medium size, small size startups. Um, so um, I've been through different positions. I've been a board member for uh, startups like Opsense. Actually, I was one of the first, uh, one of the first uh, um, board member at, uh, with the medical device background for Opsense, which has been acquired actually uh, in Q4 last year by Ionetics. And I'm also a board member of uh, another French company called Electroducer. So then uh, since more than 20 years now, I'm also specialized around, let's say, the overall vascular space. So neuro, cardio, and, and, and peripheral. Um, and before joining um, Robocath, I spent four years driving the, uh, uh, driving the Boston Scientific Business for its uh, cardio and structural heart division. Uh, a friends. Okay. So across that career in the neurovascular, cardiovascular space, what did you learn about the market and what did you learn about the, uh, the kind of companies that exist so far? Well, the thing is, uh, it's, it's all, it's super interesting, super exciting. Why? Because innovation is really without any kind of playing with the words, but uh, is at the heart of this, uh, of the specialties. There are there were many things to discover, to launch, and to uh, and to follow, and but but in parallel, always something to uh, to improve, or something new to discover and to develop. So uh, uh, this is what I would say if I would have to recap this overall environment uh, of the uh, vascular space. Let's say. Okay, so talk me through some of the roles that you held within these companies. So so talk me through a bit more detail about the journey and some of the steps you took along the way. So I would I would take the the one before uh, before my CEO role at Robocast. So running you know the Boston Scientific Activity in Cardio and Structural Heart in the French market was super exciting and uh, and actually uh, I felt you know I was a kind of downgrading by by taking over this job because before this one I was always working you know uh, at international positions traveling left and right right across the world. But actually, I felt super interesting and exciting to drive such a business for a major company. Why? Because you learn a lot and in, in, in terms of processes, um, thinking about you know what you have today and to consolidate everything and to become the leader. And actually, this is what we were uh, during four years, even before myself. Uh, Boston Scientific on the French market was a leader, at least on the stand business. So, so uh, I learned a lot. As I said, you know, it's with all the processes and thinking, you know, what you have today and prepare the future, 
how to remain the leader, uh, driving such, you know, like kind of being also responsible of an important, you know, like PNL at that time it was a hundred, hundred million dollar uh, PNL responsibility, and having also experts around me, not only in uh, clinical sales, finance. Uh, actually, it was full of uh, full of experience with great people. So, and actually, it helped me obviously uh, when I joined, you know, uh, and when I took over as the CEO role, because you have more uh, 360 view on the overall responsibilities that you have. Okay, amazing. So, why did you decide to join this uh, CEO role um, in a company, Robocat, the French-based startup? What what was it about this company that you saw, and why did you decide to make that step? First, I would say I would answer. I would give two answers. The first one, actually, is that um, I worked for several startups in the past. So I studied, as I said, with big companies like J&J, then Abbott. But when I look at the back mirror, I always work for innovative technologies. Actually, even when I was working for J&J, my first job, actually, we were launching a brand new device, which completely revolutionized, you know, the uh, stress incontinence for women and and after joining Abbott you know again at the very beginning very first days of Abbott vascular devices division and so on and so forth so actually I'm always innovation uh, early days developing you know the markets so I think I, I have always been interested in new stuff then this is the first first answer to the question and then why Robocaf well it's uh, it's it's super innovative, robotic, vascular robotic. I mean, when I joined, I mean, we were, we were well, Robocath only had one competitor and both companies were at early stage in terms of development, in terms of commercialization and French company. And, and I had so much to learn in this new role, you know, like fundraising, managing, you know, uh, managing a board discussions with VCs, uh, with strategics, but in terms of, you know, uh, uh, fundraising processes. So that the results that that is what makes me uh, take you know, this this decision to take over this uh, this job. Okay, so let's talk through the Robocath platform then. So tell me a bit more about the technology and the problems that the technology is solving. So the we are developing at Robocath. We are developing. Well, we are developing, manufacturing, commercializing. Um, robotic platform for vascular interventions. So today we do have, you know, marking for uh, for the European market and, and, and the Chinese one. So what we are uh, solving, it's like any kind of, uh, you know, uh, robots. We are bringing, we are bringing precision in, in, in the intervention clearly. So that I think it's a key advantages of any robotic uh, platform. It's really precision for better treatment and then for better patient outcome. What is really differentiating, you know, the vascular robotic is the, uh, uh, let's say the cardiologist, neuroradiologist, uh, radiologist, interventionist are the only physicians or specialties that are exposed to um, X-rays. So on top of the precision and, uh, and, and things, you know, the uh, the movement of the physician, we are also bringing protection and better working conditions to the physicians, but also to the overall, let's say, cat lab uh, 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 staff. That is what uh, 
vascular robotic is bringing today. If we think about tomorrow, so tomorrow vascular robotic will be able to solve the problem of, you know, uh, let's say no man's land, you know, uh, uh, hospitals, areas, and, and also uh, to be able to, um, let's say, uh, solve also the problem that in some countries uh, that are having lack of physicians. So, so um, this is going to be the next step. And the, the, I would say the third one is to bring, you know, uh, uh, like um, autonomous navigations, interventions, um, you know, using AI and so on and so forth. So I would say that we are at the very beginning of, um, of vascular robotics today with the uh, key advantages that I, I, I just mentioned earlier. Okay, so how, so I know there's a lot of research going on into the field of remote and telesurgery, which is kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about these rural areas and where there aren't physicians. So how far actually do you think we are away from the world of remote surgery? And when do you think these more remote patients will actually start to get treated? Well, I would say from a technological standpoint, I think that we, we at least at RoboCath, we had the know-how on how to uh, perform remote procedures. And actually we did it um, two times. One was um, on animals a couple of years ago. And last year we performed, you know, a remote procedure in China, uh, something like more or less, yeah, 2000 uh, miles away. Uh, so from, from one hospital to another one. So on the patient. So basically, we, we do know how to do it. So it's, it, it is not science fiction. It's happening today. Now, what will allow us to move forward and to make it, you know, on the daily practice? Uh, there are some, some uh, let's say, security aspects that, that will have to be solved beforehand, such as, you know, the cybersecurity. And I don't think that the company is, it, it, it won't be, you know, RoboCast's job actually to solve that. It's, 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 it is not where we do have our core competency, but there are some companies that are actively working around that. So we will have to cope with them to be sure that, that it's, we, we uh, you know, this kind of remote procedures uh, can happen, uh, you know, uh, safely uh, and not being act, acted, you know, so, um, so, so first point and second, there is also the, uh, uh, the responsibility, you know, who will be responsible if something wrong going to happen? Will it be, uh, will it be the, the physician operating away or will it be, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, the team that will be around the patient, but this, this one should be easy. Uh, the main one will be cyber security and one hospital accepting that another one would enter into his IT, you know, uh, into his IT uh, stuff, but uh, we don't know. But from a technical standpoint, it's, we know how to do it. Now, for which kind of intervention uh, would make sense to use remote procedure? Well, as I said, it's where there is no hospitals, whereas the patients are just dying because they cannot be, uh, you know, taken, taken into, uh, into a hospital or in a cath lab. Um, you know, uh, quickly enough for, for the physician to save their life and, and also for uh, stroke procedures, you know, uh, where we do know that every seconds or minutes, 
accounts well clearly for neuro application um, the remote uh, capability will uh, definitely save uh, save life so it's it's key and 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 especially if we consider as we were talking earlier you know what uh, that that robotic is booming in the different specialties but if we will have to consider one specialty where robotic plus remote will make a lot of sense clearly in uh, vascular and neural space for sure so i want to take it back and like this i want to learn about what it was like when you first joined robocath so what did the company look like what did it feel like and what's been the journey over the last four years that you've taken as part of the business and how has it changed since then yeah actually when i joined we uh the robocath was well got the uh C mark in February 2019, and uh, I joined in September. And and what happened is is uh, we were also uh, the C series fundraising was initiated already when I joined. So I just you know uh, joined the uh, the founder uh, the founder at that time and, and the partners that we had around the table uh, to uh, to proceed with the C series fundraising and to close it. And actually, this is what we did because we closed it in uh, April 2020. And if you remember well, early 2020, we enter into this crazy time of COVID-19 lockdown. So, um, so we had to run a post-market study in Europe. Uh, well, right, well, right in the middle uh, of COVID-19 time. So, um, as you can imagine, it has been uh, a real challenge because, well, obviously, uh, we were not a priority uh, in the cath labs, which is obvious. So we had to uh, we had to wait, or we had to uh, wait until you know we would have been accepted. And so, but we have been able to make it happen anyway. Uh, and in parallel, we were improving also um, the features, the key features that our first generation platform. Uh, um, had so this is what we did during this COVID nineteen time, and we also set up a joint venture that we built together with our partner Microport in China. So this is what we did. Um, then we uh, so this took us well. It took us you know uh, eighteen to two years. I would say eighteen months to two years. So since uh, I would say now since two years, well we work hard to start the commercialization, to expand the sales in, uh, at EMEA level, working with, uh, working with distributors and also having a direct team in, in some specific countries where we want to uh, work directly with the, with the physicians and the hospitals. In parallel, well, we ran also the trial in China uh, to, uh, to get the uh, NLPA approval to start the commercialization over there. Uh, so uh, this is what we did, and on top of it as well, we uh, uh, we are developing our next-gen platform, which will be able to address you know uh, much more indications, not only in cardio but also in neuro as well as in peripheral. And uh, this all obviously happened by developing the team, hiring a lot of uh, new collaborators because when I joined we were something like 25. And today we are 80 plus uh, collaborators. So the company basically now is set up to uh, move for the next step in terms of production, 
sales, preparing the future, preparing the ground today with the platforms that we have and, and, and paving the way for the massive adoption with the, with the next generation one. Okay. So the Microport joint venture is really interesting. So what was the influence uh, or what was the reason for going to China um, as opposed to any other countries or other geographies? Yeah, good, good, good question, actually. When we, when we were raising money, so in, uh, you know, uh, end of 2019, early 2020, we had, uh, we, we were lucky because we had, uh, I would say, three tracks on the table. Um, which were, you know, more or less, you know, equivalent in terms of uh, of, uh, of money. But we uh, we chose at that time uh, to work with with Microport uh, in China because we well we knew that China is the number one market in terms of PCI, so the number of procedures in cardio. So it's a number one market with the uh, with a twenty person plus. You know growth rate year over year so it, it is already the biggest and it will remain for for the decades to come so we said well uh from a strategical standpoint we have to be there we knew also that the chinese markets uh had a real uh appetite for robotic and then uh when we were considering microport let's keep in mind that microport is the leader uh in cardio in china and the great news is that in parallel, Microport left us the freedom to uh, develop the company the way we thought and the way we wanted to, and uh, working on the next gen and commercializing, you know, in Europe and so on. So we said, well, it sounds to be uh, a very interesting, you know, partner, and uh, obviously choosing Microport. Um, meant clearly well addressing the Chinese markets. You know, it was you know this kind of of let's say mechanism that brought us to the situation where we are today, and we have to say that we are quite successful. Okay, so I found one of the points there very interesting. So why is PCI one of the biggest areas in China? Why is China the biggest market for PCI procedures compared to other geographies? Well, it's it's just uh, 1.3, 1.4 billion, you know, uh, population. <laughs> That's the only reason, and I guess why the 20 percent plus growth rate year over year. Well, simply because maybe they started a little bit later than, than in other places. But from its its uh, well, the number of of habitants, which is just explaining the size of the market. Okay, cool. So. I want to bring it back to um, like what is the actual vision for this business? Where where does the business want to go, and where does the company want to to head in the future? Well, short term, what we well we we keep you know our initial strategy. So uh, well, we are we do have a platform uh, dedicated for uh, interventional uh, cardiology interventions. In parallel, we are working also on a novel solution. So basically. Our let's say the the company vision is clearly to uh, be able to treat everyone everywhere at safe. That's our vision, and in order to make it happen, well, at least in, within the vascular space, it's robotic. So uh, this is what we are 
constant trading of a pawn. And, and, and then, let's say, as I said, you know, earlier, the next steps will be to work uh, with uh, AI, uh, bringing, you know, in order to enhance even much more as uh, a physician's movements, bringing new, uh, maybe potentially new, new devices on the market that will be dedicated for robotic, uh, having, you know, um, autonomous or semi-autonomous navigation, having also um, advices that would be proposed to the physician for, for, for patient treatments. Um, you know, this kind of, of, of features, which again, are, are not a dream, you know. Uh, we are also talking about, you know, technologies like, like QFR, you know, uh, being able to assess properly, uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, which lesion could be treated. Well, let's think about, you know, bringing all these pieces together. I, I guess we will have, you know, a, a, a workflow super interesting, safer uh, for, for the patient, easier for the physician in the future. Okay. Sorry, could you just go back? What's QFR? You know, the QFR, it's this uh, algorithm which, uh, well, actually, you, you heard about FFR, right? The uh, fractional flow reserve. You know, this technology, actually, it's when you wanted to assess from a, a physiological standpoint which lesion was responsible of the lack of flow, you know? So uh, you were just, you know, measuring before the lesion and after the lesion, and then there is a ratio calculating, and depending on the ratio, then you're gonna say, okay, I have to treat this lesion because it's a culprit one, or in some cases, depending on the cutoff, you know, then you say, well, no, this lesion is not responsible of the, uh, of the flow uh, that we are missing, so I'm not gonna treat this one. So it was to select and to treat properly the right kind of lesions. So this was considered as invasive because you have to use uh, a wire that you put in the artery and then you inject some uh, uh, product, you know, to create vasodilatation and so on. And then you measure before and after the lesion. Now QFR is able to, well, to predict also, well, or to say clearly which lesion is, is the culprit one, we, but it's non-invasive. So it's a software. Uh, that is able to do uh, and to and to give you the, the same kind of information, so it's non-invasive versus you know the invasive with a wire. Okay, cool. Thank you for breaking that down. Um, so you guys are the first really commercialized um, platform out there. Um, from our discussions early on, um, you've said that that gives you a big advantage, and you're kind of out front. So. Tell me about some of the advantages being first to market is, and also some of the lessons you've learned along the way. Well, I, I, well, there are pros and cons as usual, you know, and actually, well, we were not the first on the markets. I would say if we consider a worldwide market, I mean, we had a competitor, uh, Corendus, which has been acquired by Siemens. So they were, uh, introducing the Nova before us. Uh, the vascular robotics uh, solution we came we came after today uh, and it was good actually because it's always good to have competition and especially if the competition is is uh, is considering you know the size of Robocath it's always good to have a, a, a big and a strong competitor uh, you know uh, that you are fighting against why because it's 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 easier to develop the market when you are two or three uh, rather than when you are just alone 
So, so, and especially thinking about, you know, big structures, they have the money power uh, to diffuse, you know, the right messages, uh, influence also, you know, the, the future users, uh, running, you know, also uh, big, big, you know, clinical trials to show and to prove that that's, this technology is essential and so on and so forth. So, so um, on the other hand, uh, you, and, and when you are alone, you know, you, you know, the blue ocean does not remain forever. So you know that one day or another, uh, uh, the competition will come. So here's the rule of the game. It's to say, okay, we are the first one. We have to stay ahead of all the others. And this is, this is what we want to be able to achieve. It's a daily job. And you always look, you know, left, right, up, down, uh, to, to just to screen the competition and to, uh, and to measure if you are still ahead of the others. It's a game. It's a game. For sure. Not always funny. It... <laughs> Not always funny, but uh, that's the way it is. It is a good game. Uh, I quite, I quite enjoy the game of it and hearing about the game. So, what are the differentiating technologies that put you apart from maybe some of the other competitors in the space? I would be. I, I don't want to be, you know, uh, arrogant, but uh, when I looked around and uh, I made this exercise together uh, with a team. And we were uh, screening, obviously, uh, different kind of technologies. Um, and then we clearly tried to understand what they were able to do. And then the most important is to say, well, you know, you can buy in, you know, um, a concept. But then it's, well, one day or another, the concept going to have to come to reality. And then when we look at this, we said, okay, but tomorrow, let's put it into reality tomorrow as it is today. It's never going to work does not make sense, or we do see a lot of challenges. That is why we think that the, uh, let's say the, uh, the way uh, we took and the decision we took from a technological standpoint with our core technology, which is very specific, we, which because we do have a technology that we call, uh, that we call uh, a bionic technology. Why? Because we are mimicking you know, the physician hands movements. So it's super intuitive for a physician when you start to use our technology. And it's also super important in terms of learning curve because the physician knows, you know, after maybe one, two, three cases, the physician know how to use our technology. So that is why, that, that is what is making us, you know, strong on about our our strategy and the decision we took. Um, so so uh, we hope that we're going to be able to remain and forever on this market and that we're going to be uh, number one uh, to stay on this market because maybe to answer to your previous question, what is the benefit of being the first one is whatever going to happen. You are the first one, your name, your technology, we stay in the mind of the users forever, good and bad but it's going to remain. So, uh, yeah. So it's no secret really that Corindus through the acquisition has challenges with integration and they're still having challenges. So have you found that that has influenced the market in terms of uptake of, um, I guess, Robocath system, um, given that I guess there's, there's obviously been the challenges with the leading player or so the previous player? Apologies. So for us, uh, it is not a good news. Again, when you have, because here you are mentioning Corendus, 
they are part of Zenith. So big company taking such a decision. Uh, obviously, uh, we have to, we also on our side, uh, most part of the time, we have to explain or to justify why Siemens took such a decision. <laughs> so my answer is very easy. It's just to say, you know what? You just have to read the press release. It's explained financial, technical re reasons. It is what it is. Then after on my side, I would say on the private stuff, I can interpret. I can, but uh, for, for let's be, let's be elegant here. Uh, I will talk about what I do know on Robocath. And again, I think I explained why uh, there are such differences of the market and it's mainly based on your core tech and the potential of your core tech, which will be compatible with, you know, uh, the development that you have in mind with the, uh, uh, with the new technologies that are surrounded around us that we will be able to integrate into it and so on and so forth. So, but, but, but more serious. So more seriously to answer to your question is, it was a bad news for us. It's always good, as I said, you know, it's always good to have competition on the market. Okay, cool. And I guess there's there's quite a lot of um, robotic vascular, neurovascular companies coming up nowadays. So it's not just you guys. There was a few companies fighting the fight out there. So it could be an interesting state of play. And I'm quite excited about the market dynamics and where it's going because you've had this big player kind of crumbled down and now you've got a load of these startups. And I think together there can be like the exception, the adoption, and uh, yeah, it should be quite a fun space to be a part of. Yeah, sure. I mean, on our side, actually, what we did is uh, um, because I think we we can we just cannot ignore you know uh, the technologies and the new startups around us. I mean, we you you uh, you always have to be careful. Clearly, you have to track what's going on, um, and, and and we should not pretend to be you know. Uh, so exceptional that nobody will be able to, uh, uh, you know, to leapfrog us. But uh, again, uh, we are we are working closely with KOLs, uh, neuro, cardio. We are sharing with them, you know, our next step, our future development features that we will had, and uh, and actually they said, well, guys, you you are spotting on. You understood what we need, so uh, you got it. So now it's just a question of time and then to, to finalize and to put it on the market. Uh, this is where we are. Okay. So what, what would you say are some of the biggest lessons you've learned along your journey as CEO of RoboCath from the first day to now? I would say, you know, uh, an adage that's more, one of my mentors, and actually uh, I'm going to name it, you know, it's uh, Scott Unokens. He was the CEO of Volcano, which has been acquired by Philips. And he's also, you know, now is a chairman and uh, of a lot of uh, new technologies and uh, in Europe, in the States. And I remember when we had this, you know, uh, and, and, and what he was saying just took a lot of sense <laughs> when I became, you know, a CEO. And he was always saying, you know, there are bumps on the road, but that's the road. So forget about complaining. You have to make it happen. So that's the way it is. And obviously, even it, and, and, and I would add also, it's when you think about, you know, your technology, you are convinced about what you have. And, but the thing is, you know, there is one thing that money just cannot buy. It's time. You just cannot buy time. 
and developing a new technology, a disruptive technology, takes time. And, and you have good surprises and bad surprises that you just cannot predict because you are moving, you know, you are moving on step by steps. And sometimes there is one step which is just pushing you back and you have to start again and again and again. And, and uh, so you have to trust uh, not you, but your team. But uh, you have to trust your team. You have to trust what they are doing. You have to trust what they are telling you. And then this is what makes me comfortable and strong afterwards. It's not because I'm strong. Uh, I'm strong because I'm confident on what they are doing and what they are saying, you know, on, 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 on when they are working on a daily basis. So this would be my... And then I would say also, as a CEO, because, I mean, I've been asked this kind of question, uh, maybe phrased differently, but uh, the advice I would give is ask a question, speak with people, because even if we are, you know, in a competitive environment, there are a lot of nice people that are here to help, to support, to give advice, just by sharing their experience. You know, uh, it, it is existing. So, so I, I think we should do it much more frequently. Because when you are facing an issue as a CEO, you think that you are alone, it's, it's just, you know, a nightmare and so on. But all CEOs actually are facing the same situations. <laughs> it's all about money, not enough time, uh, commercialization, not enough revenue, raising money, and so on and so forth. So. For sure. And I think that peer network is one of the most invaluable resources you can have. I know in the recruitment game, I, I'm part of a big network called the Recruitment Network. And the amount of times I've lent into someone else's problems and they've come to me for problems and advice it is just one of the best places to go. And I know that the French ecosystem of medical technology and surgical robotics even is, is very supportive of that. So tell me what it's like to build a business in the French ecosystem and how that supported you along the way. Well, we have to we have to recognize that, as you said, you know there are a lot of robotics, uh, robotics technologies in France. So the question is why? I mean, first of all, we have nice you know uh, engineer schools, which I would say smart brains uh, available and willing to uh, willing to uh, develop something new. And we do have also, I would say, an environment which is supporting you know uh, startups uh, since a couple of years. I don't think, uh, I'm not sure that, that this is well communicated, I would say to the outside world, but we have some, some you know, uh, helps and support uh, from the government as well uh, when you want to, when you are a startup and especially, you know, innovative startup, medical device, uh, med tech, deep tech, uh, which is supporting us. It's, it's, it's also a reality. So um, I, I, I would not see a specific, you know, challenge developing, you know, a startup in French, in France, sorry. The, but on the other hand, what we have to recognize is when you are a U.S. company, uh, you raise, you raise much more money, uh, to develop your, your company. It's a reality. It's the amount of money that you raise in the U.S. versus Europe, uh, it is at, at minimum divided by two. That's, that's, that's the way it is. So it's a reality. So then, on the other hand, the salary difference between the U.S. versus France is is quite large as well. The cost of engineers in France versus in the U.S., even though they're doing a similar job, similar sort of company, there's uh, 
Swings and roundabouts swipe. to it, I believe. Yeah, always pros and cons, but uh, at the end of the day, we cannot complain. There are pros and cons, you know, everywhere. <laughs> exactly. So speaking of fundraising right now, so we've spoken about the market previously before this call. So tell me what you think of the economic conditions and how that's affecting the fundraising market and what people should be doing in the market to raise finance right now. Well, right now, it's, uh, I mean, uh, since a couple of months, you know, uh, I've been, you know, in different conventions uh, for, with, with investors and startups. And I guess the message is quite clear. It's, uh, it's going to be um, tough to raise money in 2024. Uh, might be easier in 2025. But the message also that the VCs uh, had is to say, well, we have to secure uh, the investments that we did so far. Uh, before, you know, maybe uh, considering new ones. And what I'm telling you is what, what I've been told. And um, so it sounds like 2024 will be a challenge to raise money. Um, however, another reality is that VCs have been able to raise a lot of money. So basically, there is money. So let's say that the condition uh, to get it uh, are much more challenging. So again, it will be a question of negotiation, uh, being able to convince that you have the right technology, which is uh, super disruptive versus uh, the other ones and so on and so forth. But uh, in any case, I would say to raise the same amount of money, uh, we will, you will have to accept to give more uh, of your company somehow at the end. Let's see. So right now it's challenging. Right, so let's talk about the next 12 months then. So we've just entered 2024. What do you think we should expect to see from RoboCath and, and what are we going to see over the next 12 months? So the, um, the, the 12 coming months, well, 2024, obviously we're going we're gonna to launch our technology. Uh, well, we're going to secure and continue to develop our technology uh, in the EMEA region and um, appointing distributors and so on still continuing to work with uh, KOLs, users, cardio, neuro, uh, to be sure that we are still on the right way and the right track for, uh, for our next-gen platform. And, uh, and launch our, also our technology in the number one market in the world, so basically in China. This is, but in, and in parallel, continue to develop, you know, uh, uh, the uh, features of our next platform, next generation platform, clearly. Okay. So is there anything you can share about that next generation platform? What, what will that look like and what would that be in comparison to the current platform? Sure. What I, what I can share, it's, uh, it's today, um, clearly, we, uh, we have to uh, be able, well, the platform uh, has to be able to manipulate much more devices in order to be able to perform um, most of the interventions from A to Z. So that's being said, this is what we are developing. And not only for cardio, but also for neuro and peripheral. This is what we are working uh, upon right now. So um, if we want to be, you know, if we want our technology to be massively adopted, um, being able to address, you know, mass markets. This is what we have to bring on it. Okay. 
Cool. So is there a plan? Well, when is the plan, I guess, to go US? Because you've got Europe, you've got China. Surely after that, the US will be the next core market. So yeah, when when can we expect to see this in the US? Because I'm sure there's physicians over there who are yeah. dying to get it in their hands. Is, uh, um, yeah, when we were talking earlier about you know uh, the uh, decision that we took uh, uh, during our last fundraising and to address China. So basically, we could not we could not run both, you know, at the same time, cash wise. So we took a decision, and our decision was to address, you know, the number one market, China. We also realized that uh, we saw that that uh, um, we we will have to be uh, well prepared also uh, to approach the U.S. markets uh, again. Easy for us in China because we are through uh, microport. So in order to be able to be sure to secure our grocerization in the US, we have to be prepared the same way we have been for the Chinese one. And so this is what we are working upon. So most probably we will address the US market with our next gen platform uh, because it won't make sense to launch it and then you know to, to, to put all this effort in a couple of months later uh, to launch a brand new technology. So we, we're going to phase it. And this is where we are right now. Unfortunately, I cannot disclose right now, you know, the next steps for our next platform because we're gonna have the first human case, we're gonna have on the CC market and so on and so forth. Uh, but we are working hard on it since uh, years already. So, so uh, basically what I can share, it's uh, uh, we do have the fourth iteration of our prototype of our next gen platform available. So it's not a dream. You know, all the features, all the features uh, and functions that I was um, describing earlier that we have to have to be able to perform your intervention from A to Z, different kind of movements of the devices like in cardio, it's rapid exchange, in neuro, it's coaxial one. We, we got it. We got it. So again, cool. it's a question. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. I'm looking forward well, to seeing it. It'll be cool. Are, we are, you know, we have, we, we do have a nice, you know, communication strategy. So we'll see it will pop up. I'm sure. I'm sure. Wicked. So let's, let's have a look at, I guess, the team then. So um, you said that you wanted to share some stuff about the team in our preparation meeting for this. So um, tell me about the impact the team have had and what you'd like to share with them. With, with which, which which team mine your team you said yeah yeah your team well my thing is as i said you know it's 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 a broader one it's a professional one uh experienced one uh when we started we had the young you know young uh, young engineers and then we brought you know much more experienced one and the youngest one that we hired are now are now now experienced so they are really bringing you know all their experience for uh to their, to their daily job. Um, it's again, it's, uh, we can't do anything with them. It's, uh, and it's not a political, uh, you know, uh, pitch, right? It's, it's, it's just, it's just a reality. So, and I guess they are all motivated because they are convinced that they are working around the technology, which makes sense for, for the population, for the patients, for, uh, you know, there is a strong interest. Uh, to work uh, for a company like Robocat because you bring, you know, you, you feel that you work for 
for something strong. And I guess they all have this sense. Uh, this is why basically they, they choose to work for a medical device company instead of, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, automated or uh, whatever it is. So, so they feel that, that, and they want to see, concretely speaking, you know, uh, the product that we are working upon developing, they want to see it, you know, in, uh, in utilization and adopt it, you know, and, and then being sure that the physicians are just, you know, uh, just like what we are doing. So uh, basically, this is the essence, I would say, that the, uh, that the, of the reason why um, the collaborators are working hard, hard at Robocast. Okay. And so the company's moving from scale, um, sorry, startup to scale up at the moment. So how is that transition going? Is it something that just naturally happens and kind of snowballs and becomes this beast? Or is there anything that has to be done along the way to ensure that it's smooth so that the people who were with the business at the start still feel the same here yeah to me it's the, the most uh, challenging part it's 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 people it's collaborators um because you you have the first one who joined you know the company because it was a very small team they were informed uh they were informed and they were involved in everything the company was doing uh, so, so that was the reason why they joined you know early days and then you start to grow and then you start to scale up the company. And so obviously you start to structure the company, dividing your know, different departments. And, and uh, I would not say putting some barriers between departments, but at least, you know, you focus much more on, on, on specific topics. So then you lose the overall view interaction you had uh, from top to bottom and to bottom to top, right? So some people can be frustrated about it. Some people will accept it, will adapt, some others not. So they will leave, and which is, which is a pity because at the end of the day, they were good, and then, but, we, but we have to accept that we, we're going to lose people. And then you bring new kind of profile in the company. Very interesting also because new, new profiles, much more experienced, you know, that are seeking for, for an interesting challenge, but uh, on this, around you know, around the secured environment. So basically these ones would not have joined the company as the first days, but they are okay to join it today. And so, you know, you, you see all this kind of different kind of uh, culture and, and uh, think way of thinking and profiles and so on. At the end of the day, it's just, uh, we, we just have to be sure that, that, that they are all able to work together. And there is this kind of, let's say, magical stuff that we cannot predict and uh, that, that's, that's the recipe will work and that we won't lose uh, too many collaborators. Um, so so that's, that's the way it is. This is where we are. I think knock on wood, we are uh, quite, uh, quite okay today. We are able to, to keep, you know, at least the most interesting ones. And in some cases also, you know, after, after some collaborators made, you know, their cycle of, of three, four, five, seven years, well, it's also time sometimes for them to, 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 to leave the company and to, uh, to discover something different, something new, and we also have to accept it. So basically, we are between securing the first ones, hiring the new ones with a great profile, accepting also that some will leave, and to put in place also some kind of retention. Uh, you know, all these you know, items together it, it is not an easy job for uh, for the HR departments, 
uh, but that's the way it is. It is. So what, what kind of things can you do to retain those staff members? So you say you're putting some things in place. So how are you creating that environment? What are you doing to ensure that these guys actually stay, the ones who you really want to? Well, we, we, we are lucky to have an interesting, uh, you know, to have an interesting, you know, a project, which I think for any collaborators is super important, especially when you are, you know, uh, working in medical device environments, uh, when you are driving mainly, you know, an R&D team, it's it's super important that the uh, the project itself is is uh, interesting and and uh, uh, and promising. Uh, then uh, we have to bring them, you know, the right conditions for them to say, okay, uh, why or what makes you know Robocath different? So with the uh, overall working conditions, we need to adapt sometimes, you know, to the because we are we were talking about remote procedure. And let's talk about remote work, right? Uh, so we we have also to adapt, and it's, it, it is not always easy, especially when you are a small company, R and D, and so on. People have to work together. But in any case, and then you have to try to find some kind of advantages that you can afford. Uh, and 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 I would say the key is also to communicate it regularly on where we are, what we want to do, and to have this kind of you know. Uh, open communication ways uh, always on. Uh, this is what I'm trying to, uh, uh, to, to protect. Not always easy either, because when you are growing, as I said, you know, you have to structure the company and so on. So it's, it's to find the right balance and guess what? There is no right balance. So you always have to, you always have to adapt and to, again, to communicate and to, uh, to, uh, Put yourself in question on what shall we do and, bit, and, 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 you know, balance it with what can we do? What should we do? But what can we, concretely speaking, put in place? Again, can we afford that or not? So it's uh, not easy, but this is what we are, uh, we are, we are trying to, uh, to put in place and, uh, and to secure our collaborators. Yes. Well, Lucien, thank you very much for the time there. What I'd like to do is just give you the opportunity to make any closing comments. But uh, yeah, is there anything you'd like to say to the audience or anyone who might be listening to this podcast? Well, first of all, thank you very much for listening. And I, and I hope that uh, I have not been you know, boring and that I brought some, uh, some uh, experience or key points that could help. And, uh, and if these points uh, won't help, at least these are some points that uh, people would like to discuss later on. Feel free, I'm available. I always like, like to, to share. And uh, thank you very much, Henry, for, for this opportunity. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Lucien. And a happy new year. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. <laughs>